Hello, I'm your host, Gulveig, and you're listening to Be The Whole You, where we break free of the matrix one episode at a time. Just as a friendly reminder, all of the information in this episode is for personal development only and is not intended to be medical or financial advice. Hello, and welcome back to Be The Whole You. I'm your host, Gulveig. This is the second episode in a mini-series that I am weaving into this channel on misunderstood deities. And today I will be introducing you to a goddess that we all work with every day and probably don't even know it. And she is the goddess money. The story that I'm about to tell was channeled by me during a business class for spiritual entrepreneurs that I was teaching. During the first day of class, the topic of money management what to charge for one's services and the like came up, and it was immediately evident that even bringing up the topic of money was incredibly triggering for some of the students. You didn't have to be highly sensitive to see that discussing money actually made some of the classmates angry and scared. And being as highly sensitive as I am, I could sense a lot of anxiety in the room and decided to end the conversation and use the evening and the next morning to contemplate how I was to teach a business course when even discussing money was an off-table subject for many. So the story that I'm about to tell is the story that I was given while I sat in contemplation. It was channeled from a higher source than I. I wrote this story down in only 45 minutes, and it's really common for channeled information to flow so quickly that we can barely keep up with it. The reaction that many of the students in the class had that day to the topic of money is not an unusual reaction for many spiritual seekers and highly sensitive people. Many of us have a complicated relationship with money. We are simultaneously attracted to and repelled from her. We try to sell ourselves on the concepts that many money gurus give us that money is neutral or is just another form of quote-unquote green energy. We may even hold a bit of shame or guilt as we are told that it is because of our own issue of self-worth and other limiting beliefs that we keep money out of the safe haven of our bank accounts. And most of all, we just can't seem to shake the feeling that there's just something that feels dark and, quite frankly, kind of yucky around the energy of money. I'm here to tell you folks that although issues of self-worth and other limiting beliefs can and do play a role in our ability to attract wealth, it is not the whole truth. The darkness you feel around money is real, and it is my hope that in sharing the story of the goddess money, that others will be given the permission to release the gaslighting of ourselves that has us believing that our repulsion is exclusively self-inflicted. I'm here to show you where the darkness around money is really coming from, how the goddess money needs our help, and lastly, the story will show us how once we start helping her, we can start creating not just wealth, but true prosperity. Just a little disclaimer here. The story is fictional, yet as a metaphor, it is an accurate account to what has happened to humanity's collective consciousness. The names I use for many of the characters are from Hinduism and yoga philosophy. Shiva and Shakti both play an important role in this story, and I have asked them both for their permission in depicting them in this fictional account. They have given me the permission as long as I gave the disclaimer that this is a metaphor. So without further ado, let's meet the goddess money. The beginning of this story takes place in a time when even the gods themselves were still being born. 
the full complexity of the universe had not quite developed. It is here we find the great mother and father intertwined in the lovemaking that would eventually give life to all creation. The great mother and father would eventually be given many names, but for our purposes here they will be known as Shiva, the great father and the god of liberation and destruction, and Shakti, the great mother, the creatrix, the raw power of creation. From Shiva and Shakti's lovemaking, there came a set of triplet daughters. They are desire, power, and money. Of the three, it was money who looked the most like her mother Shakti. Money's true essence is that of limitation for the purpose of creation, condensing and focusing energy, and creating relationships. As she grew, it became more noticeable just how much like her mother she is. When working in tandem with desire and power, she had the ability to focus her siblings' energy to manifest virtually anything to create connections between any willing participants. Without money's influence, desire and power's energy was often chaotic and often is not condensed and focused enough to create much of anything. For a very long time, all was well. The universe was in perfect balance. In this time, Desire bore four children. The Desire for Necessary Resources, who was named Arta. The Desire for Pleasure and Beauty, known as Kama. The Desire to Attain the Soul's Purpose, known as Dharma. And Moksha, who was the Desire for Spiritual Connection and Freedom. Money was close to all four of her nephews. Alas, one day Shiva and Shakti had a dispute. No one knows exactly what the dispute was over, but Shiva, the great father, felt extremely disrespected by Shakti. As a result of this dispute, the two became divorced. Mani, who was closest to her mother Shakti, grieved as her father declared sole custody and took Mani away. With this divorce began the era of patriarchy. Shakti is wise and decided not to react, but instead to regroup and plan. She knows that in this fight there would be no winners. She retreats to her home, the great void, giving the illusion of surrender, but in fact, she was resting and timing her resurrection. She awaits the great water-bearer Aquarius to usher in the age of Aquarius that will bring about the change required to restore peace. Shiva was also tired from the great divorce, and with a heavy heart, he retired to his cave on Mount Kailash. With both the great mother and father away, Arta, the desire for resources, and Kama, pleasure, go on a drunken binge, while Moksha, the desire for spiritual connection, and Dharma, who is the desire for the soul's mission, stay at home and cry and lament about the demise of their once happy family. As was expected, with this great divorce of Shiva and Shakti, the people of the earth forgot that spirit could be found in all of creation. They saw all of life as dead, inanimate objects. Not long after this shift in perspective, they even ceased to see spirit in each other. Every person, animal, plant, mineral, and element was now an object that could be owned and commoditized. Only one thing was left that was seen to be truly alive and sentient, the individual ego. With this shift, desire and power become insidious and capture and enslave their sister money. They only allow her to relate to them directly, and they traffic money's power of limitation for creation so that they may hoard all of the goodness of the universe for themselves. 
Money is not the only family member who is kidnapped by desire and power's chaotic insanity. Arta, resources, and Kama, pleasure, in their hungover state become easy prey for the two and are locked up in power's ever-growing palace and are also enslaved to carry out desire and power's bidding. Now that humanity has forgotten that spirit is in all of physical creation and cannot recognize the Great Mother, it is easy for desire and power to traffic money's magic of limitation not to condense energy and promote collaboration in life, but to use her for the dark sorcery of scarcity and lack that allows them to manipulate and control humanity. With humanity disconnected from the Mother Shakti and fed scarcity and lack, they are susceptible to desire and power's dark magic, and the insidious duo laugh hysterically as they manipulate humanity like puppets through in the enslavement of their sister money. Sadly, this enslavement lasts for millennia, and the people of Earth, by and large, have even forgotten that there was ever a golden age of harmony. Disease, famine, drought, slavery, war, all become the normal way of life for the inhabitants of Earth. Power and desire grow fat, rich, and loyal to no one, and are delusional of their own greatness. The solar system where planet Earth resides starts to move into an area of the Milky Way galaxy that has more starlight. The neighboring stars receive a plea for help from Mother Earth and in compassion send a bit of their starlight her way in hopes to lift the consciousness of Earth's inhabitants so they may see through the veil of powerlessness that desire and power of casts. This initiates the age of Aquarius, the water bearer that Shakti has been waiting for. As Shakti rises from her place in the great void and looks over the vastness of the universe, she sees that her grandchildren, Moksha, who is spiritual connection, and Dharma, who is soul's mission, have been waiting for her in hiding. They are hiding from the insanity that has been happening on planet Earth and are now both running towards her at a great speed. The vibration of fresh starlight has replenished their spirit and snapping out of their depression are approaching Shakti to plea for her assistance in bringing balance back to the cosmos. Shakti knows the time has come for her return. She instructs Dharma and Moksha to wake Shiva and ask him to help rebalance desire and power. Meanwhile, Shakti goes to save her daughter Mani, along with her grandchildren, Arta, who is resources, and Kama, the desire for pleasure. Humanity feels the rumble as Shakti rises, and faintly, like a hazy dream, they start to remember that spirit is in everything. Many start to question why typically dark sorcerers seem to have the most pleasure, resources, and power. Desire and power will not give up so easily, however. Shakti has yet to descend on Earth, and the puppet strings are still intact. Humanity is pulled into extreme shame, an amount of shame that seems unbearable. And in an effort to escape this shame, humanity decides collectively to blame money for their limited resources, pleasure, and power. They blame money for the suffering, the war, and the large-scale poverty. They blame money for lack and scarcity. After all, isn't it money, the one who has limited them all? As Shiva is awakened by moksha and dharma, he realizes the time has come to join Shakti in bringing balance back to the inhabitants of Earth. And as the ice around his cave on Mount Kailash melts, humanity's heart starts to dethaw as well. Alchemists, 
witches, healers, and sages are the first to feel this shift. For the first time, they see the puppet strings and work frantically to saw at them so that they might join the great mother Shakti in the rescue efforts of resources, pleasure, and money. Which brings us to the present time, my friends. I wish I could tell you how this story ends, but it has not yet concluded, and we each have our own part to play. At this moment, Shiva, the great contemplator, meditates on how to balance this situation. His bull is ready, as he prepares to go put desire and power back into their rightful place. Shakti has risen and at present time is descending onto planet Earth to free resources, pleasure, and her dear daughter, who is made in her image, she who has the power to create direction and relationships, the one who decides what potential is excluded and what is brought into being. She who has for far too long has been the trafficked victim of desire and power and the scapegoat of humanity's conscience. She whose vital essence is that of nourishment and life, not of cannibalism. She whose name is money. My friends, the darkness you feel surrounding money is patriarchy and the corporatized industrial military complex invading our collective consciousness like a virus and trafficking resources that are not exclusively theirs to own. Desire and power's dark spells have been cast over us for nearly 8,000 years. Goddess money needs our help. To push her away is akin to punishing and distancing ourselves from any trafficked victim because of the darkness they have lived through. No compassionate human being would ever consider blaming the victim for the crimes committed against them. And it's time that we stop blaming money for the crimes that have been committed against her. Now that we can see clearly that the darkness is not coming from money herself, but from desire and power who have gone absolutely insane, we can break the spells that they have us under. We do this with conscientious daily decisions. So this is how we help free money and help free ourselves. First, let's be conscientious about how we manage and spend our money. Simple things like buying local, saving even just a little bit for ourselves every month, and being conscientious about what companies we do business with are just some examples of this. Next, and maybe just a little bit more complicated than the first example I just gave, but oh so very important, is getting clear on our purpose. And once we have that clarity, taking small steps to live in alignment with it. We may find that our purpose may have to do with how we earn a living, or fulfilling our purpose may live outside of our careers. Most people don't know their purpose, and getting clear on it and living in alignment with it invites spirit back into our lives. In the episode, Are We Living in a Matrix?, I explain that the matrix is matter-based consciousness. Matter with no spirit is dead. And when spirit is missing from our lives, we will search for something to fill that void. This often leads to addiction, depression, anxiety, workaholism, and many other types of imbalances. When we are clear and living in alignment, we can limit distractions and allow the true essence of money to bless us. And this includes more cash in your pocket. Remember, she is the energy of limitation for creation, focusing and condensing energy, and creating relationships. With our purpose clearly felt in our hearts, we can condense and focus our energy to produce the results that fulfill us. Limit our choices to only those that support our purpose, not because of what others tell us we should do, and create and maintain relationships that support our purpose better. And for those 
who do have clarity around their purpose and find that it is their job and their livelihood that will have to change to live in alignment with it, this shift can be especially difficult. This kind of change may require a savvy financial planner, a therapist, a healer, an assistant. Essentially, this may require us to ask for help and or build a community around a particular interest or vision. But even if this is true, you got this. Desire and power aren't the only magicians on this blue floating space marble. Each of us has the magic to draw in what is necessary to live our lives on purpose. You wouldn't be given a purpose that was doomed to fail but it does require our active participation. And last but not least, freeing money and freeing ourselves requires us to forgive ourselves and heal ourselves. If you do have wounds that make it hard to receive blessings or assistance, including wealth, then chances are that although it is your responsibility to heal these wounds, these wounds aren't your fault. The matrix we live in is corrupted and as a result, we've all experienced collateral damage. We're wounded soldiers and coming home to ourselves is the salve that is needed to heal the battle wounds. And as we heal, it will become easier to tell the difference between Goddess Money's energy and the energy of her captors. And as you use the blessings that she provides to fulfill what makes your soul sing, you will find that it will create a harmony with all other beings who are doing the same. Together, we will create a symphony that will shift the frequency of consciousness on Spaceship Earth and free all of her inhabitants from the tyranny of dead matter-based consciousness. I hope you enjoyed the story of the Goddess Money. Please don't forget about Through the Looking Glass Project, where you, the listener, are invited to call in and share your perspective or share an out-of-the-ordinary experience you have had. Voicemails are limited to 90 seconds, and you can leave more than one message. For more information and for one-on-one support, check out www.bethewholeyouwithjustthelettereu.com. Thank you for joining me here today. Until next time, stay curious, my friends. Thank you for joining us in this episode of Be The Whole You. To make sure you don't miss an opportunity to dive into the rabbit hole, hit that subscribe button.